Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and I hope every single one of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, whether it was spent with family and friends around the dinner table eating that turkey and taking naps and watching sports, or if you were at a roping or a barrel racing or a rodeo over the weekend, I hope that you had success and enjoyed it with the people that you love and got to reflect on this wonderful life that we live in, the world that we live in, and we're just able to be thankful for America and the the good life that this good Lord has blessed us here on this soil. As you go into today's podcast, I just want you to start thinking about some of your goals for 2023. Maybe something that didn't go quite right for you this year and you're coming back for redemption. Maybe it's something that you just haven't been in the right season and it is time to go after it. Maybe you've got a new goal. You're going to try something new that you've never done before. This podcast with Allie Masters is going to fire you up and give you some fuel as to how you can make it happen because This girl knows how to do it. So listen up, tune in, be ready to take notes, and just turn it up. Guys, she's got some great advice here, and we're going to wish her the best of luck as she goes into the Ram Circuit Finals or the NFR Open, I think is what they call it now, um, in Greeley, Colorado, because she has been smoking them in the breakaway rope in the Midwest, and we are excited to continue to see her grow and flourish and be successful next year and hopefully we see her at the nfr next year so here we go with ali masters from leon iowa the great lakes circuit finals two-time and average year-end champion Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the RodeoKids.com Zoom tonight. Uh, This is an awesome opportunity. Uh, We're so excited to have Allie on here. I have roped and competed with Allie for quite a while now and um she is awesome she's phenomenal she's a phenomenal roper and just if you guys watch her video on TikTok at all that we put together every time she backs in the box like she just looks rock solid super focused I don't know if that's actually what's going on in her mind but um she does a fantastic job and uh, I'm just really excited for her to be able to share with you the knowledge that she has Uh, she just came off of her second year-end win in the Great Lakes Circuit Finals in the breakaway roping and average finals uh champion roper which is a huge accomplishment um while the Midwest might not have as many ropers as there are in South I feel like we've got a pretty tough group of girls that can can put a lot of good runs together and for Allie to come out on top two years in a row is awesome. Not to mention how well she did in high school and how she's doing in college. Like this girl is somebody for you guys to watch uh, because she's got a lot of cool things going on. Uh, so tonight we are going to turn it over to Allie to start out with just telling us a little bit about herself, how she got started in rodeo, what led her down the breakaway path um, and just how she got to where she is today. So like Cammie said, my name is Allie. Uh, I'm originally from Leon, Iowa. Uh, I guess to start a little about myself is I have two younger siblings. I have a brother and a sister. They both rodeo as well. Uh, We got into rodeo because my dad rode Bronx and 
obviously. I don't think he's going to put his girls on a bronc or a bull. So we started roping and I think I've probably been roping or at least riding since I was five or six. My parents always took us to youth rodeos. They actually put on the Leon youth rodeo for um, 10 years or so. Went up to Cammy's parents' youth rodeo a few times. And uh, I've probably been break lane since I was in fifth grade. Uh, once I was old enough to get into junior high, I junior high rodeoed, moved up into high school. Uh, I played uh, basketball in high school too. So I had to learn how to balance uh, basketball and uh, rodeo as well. Cause I was pretty serious about rodeo or basketball. I mean, and then going into college, I've uh, trained or I went to NEL right out of college there in Miami, Oklahoma. I went there for two years. Uh, my first year there, we had COVID, so our, or our rodeo season was cut short, and there was no college finals. And the second year there, I was fortunate enough to win the region, the Central Plains region, and went out to the college finals for them. And NEL was just a JUCO, so I had to transfer, and I'm now uh, studying ag business at Southwestern Oklahoma State in Weatherford. This is my second year here. I plan to just graduate in May and get my bachelor's. Uh, last year, I went on the women's team for the college finals, and our women's team ended up second. And uh, I guess we've had four college rodeos this fall, and they're okay. I mean, we have some points on the board. They could have went a little better. And then, like Cammie said, this is my, I guess, going in 2023 will be my third year of pro rodeo. and. Uh, my first year going, I went out on the Northwest run and mainly circuit rodeoed. And then this year with how high diesel was, I rodeoed and went out to the NFR open in Cheyenne. So that's awesome. I want to dig right into one thing. We'll get into the pro rodeo side of things, but I know a lot of these kids are at a position where, you know, you talked about playing basketball because you were on a successful basketball team as well. So like you said, you were, you weren't just serious about it as an individual, but your whole team, you know, there was, I'm sure a lot of pressure to be competitive in that and to be committed to it year round, as well as the roping side of things. And um, I feel like a lot of these kids face more and more as more opportunities for rodeo for kids come around, like, do I play sports or do I just commit to rodeo? So how did you do that? I guess, well, my mom played college basketball, so she was a pretty big part in me playing basketball, but I probably played, started playing basketball when I was in fourth grade. And obviously I loved it. And I guess in our household, you're going to work for what you want. And if you're going to be good at it, you better work for it. So I guess I was just taught to get off the couch and work at it. And I didn't have much downtime in high school. I mean, with high school rodeo and then going to all the jackpots and stuff, uh, I guess balancing it was a little tough. I'd get home from basketball practice at 5.30 or 6, go up to the barn, do chores, rub the dummy. I'm from Iowa. We didn't have an indoor, so... Uh, didn't get to rope much in the winter off of horses. So I had to go in to the barn and just rope the dummy and make it muscle memory. And I guess just working hard. And if you want to be good at it, you got to work at it. So. Yeah. And that goes for anything, whether it is basketball or, or sports um, or rodeo. Did, were there ever any times that you just really struggled with balancing that like mentally I guess not really my freshman year. Uh, rodeo has never really not been an option. I've always wanted to do that. 
but I guess my freshman year of high school, I went out for basketball. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but I was kind of like, eh, maybe I won't go out next year. And then we had a pretty good year. And so I guess seeing the reward of your hard work paying off makes it where you want to keep going. Yeah, that's good. So even if you guys do decide to test the waters, like Ali said, you know, just give it your all while you're there and everything that you do. And you might find out that you like it more than what you want or than you thought you would. Um, and then make the decision, but give everything a chance. Um, I see a lot of kids, um, yep. you know, the, there's more and more kids that are homeschooled, which is perfectly fine and great. Um, but it also takes away the opportunity to do high school sports and, you know, rodeo will be there later, but playing sports, that's a short time frame. So yeah, just be open to the experience. What was it like uh, transferring from like high school rodeo into college rodeo? Like, was it challenging and having that kind of freedom because all these kids are pretty aggressive and I think most of them pretty much all of them want a high school and college rodeo if they're not already so what was that like I honestly probably wouldn't say it was that much of a difference for me my parents kind of my senior let year let me go out on my own and amateur rodeo and kind of learn what it takes to be out on your own but I wouldn't say it's that much different than a high school rodeo I mean you have the responsibility of not having your parents there to hold your hand every step of the way and make sure you feed your horses or just there to take care of business. But I would say as long as you have your priorities straight and are responsible with you and your horses, it's not really that much different. It's just you and the uh, goat you're tying or the calf you're roping. It's the same. Mm -hmm. How did you choose the schools that you went to? Uh, I don't really know how I ended up at NEO. Uh, there was a friend of ours, his name was Lane Watson. I had no idea where I wanted to go to school. I just knew I did not want to live in Iowa anymore with the cold winters. And uh, I got a hold of Lane. He said he loved it down there. So I went and visited and they had a heated indoor, very nice facilities. I really like the coach Colby. So yeah, and I wanted to be close enough to home that I could... Uh, come home if I wanted to. And I think NEO was only like four and a half hours. So it was close enough. I could come home if I needed to. So that's kind of how I ended up there. And then uh, Sierra Smith, she's like a really good family friend. She went to Weatherford where I'm at now. And I knew I needed to transfer because NEO was only a two year and uh, I wanted to stay in this region. I love the Central Plains region. Being biased, I think it's the best region in the uh, country, but she said she loved it here. Uh, it's honestly like two hours mainly for all of our rodeos. And I love Mike and Edie and the, everyone here. And that's mainly how I chose is Sierra and then good family friends. Yeah. Did you visit there before you made the decision? Yep. yep. And I went and visited both schools before I came here, talked to the coaches to see what their practices were like what the, you can meet with the school people administration to see how your classes will be. And like Weatherford didn't have ag, an ag department until three years ago. So if I wanted to do ag, I couldn't have came here three years ago. If I'm, so learning if they have your major too, I guess is a big thing to consider when you're looking at your school. Yeah. What are some questions that you asked the coaches? I know I did not ask enough questions of my coach <laughs> when I went to college. I mean, I went to college in Durant. Also a big fan of that region, uh, but there are things that 
looking back, which hindsight's always 2020, that I wish that I would have even yeah. known to ask. So what are some questions that as you made that transfer that you thought were important? Uh, well, I like to practice a lot. So the, probably the first question I asked was how much they practice. And probably a lot of schools you look at, they'll probably, they'll probably say three times a week. But uh, uh, what else? I asked about scholarships how like stalls for your horses, where you're gonna keep them. Uh, if there's options for online schooling, a lot of kids nowadays just like to go to school online. The girl I live with actually is all online here. So she never has, she would never have to step foot on campus if she didn't want to. So a lot of kids, rodeo kids like that. Uh, other than that, I don't really know what else I would ask. <laughs> yeah, what do you prefer online or in person? Uh, it just kind of depends if I, I write right now, I only have class Tuesday and Thursdays. So I like that not having to worry about class on Thursdays and Fridays when I'm gone a lot. So I really do like the Tuesday, Thursday classes. I wouldn't want to be all online because I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose of a college experience, but yeah. I do take some online classes too. I'm with you. All right, go ahead, Madison. She's got a question for you. Um, if you were to give your younger self advice, what would it be? Oh gosh, uh, I guess I would say put yourself out there. I was pretty shy for a while and I didn't really put myself out there, but there's a lot of opportunities out there and uh, there's always going to be someone that's willing to help you and uh, someone's always willing to help you and you can put in the work, you can go places. That's great advice. What, so you went to college, um, you made it to the college finals. What's that like? Like, what did it take to make it to the college finals? And then what was it like when you got there? So my first year in college, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't grow up that good, I guess. We were cut. I think we only had uh, probably five or six out of the 10 rodeos that year. And I guess I didn't take care of business from the very beginning. And that was a good that year was a good showing to see, like, don't take any rodeos for granted. You never know when they're going to be cut off. But at the college rodeos, I would say if you can knock your first one down, that's the hard part. The mm -hmm. short rounds usually fall apart. And I mean, if you can just stay behind, most of the time, if you can stay behind the barrier and take your first shot, you're going to make the short round at them. And that was kind of hard for me to figure out. I was, when I first stepped in as a freshman, I was like, oh, these girls are good. I got to be too flat every single time here. And that's not the case. And I think the year I made the college finals, I just slowly would end up like third or fourth in the long round, second or third in the short round, and just slowly work my way in. And I going into the last rodeo, I don't even think I had the rope to make it just because just consistency, Adam. Uh, Sarah Smith is our, now on my coach. She won the region here in the goat tying. And I think she made nine out of the 10 short rounds. And every time she snuck in like sixth or seventh into the short round, and then she'd just make a decent run in the short round. And then she'd move up to second or third in the average. Yeah. So I think it was most important for me is learning how consistent you just have to be not going out and be too flat or four or five in the team roping or whatever it is. That's great advice. Even, you know, I college already in that same region and I got to where, you know, I went through the same thing and pushed it too much to 
to try to win every time. And I think it is, it is all about consistency. And in the long run, it, it's a hard lesson to learn. And it's not something that like most people want to learn that it's better to be consistent and be, you know, 10th through second yeah. than it is to be first every single time, because it's not realistic and it's not sustainable to push yourself to that level every time. So if you can just learn that and that's huge on your mental game, once you can accept that, and perform like that then you get to go places but it's not until you allow your brain to say you don't have to be first every time to that it really starts to click yeah I love that advice just the consistency that's so important so how has that paid off as you transferred into professional rodeo and what was it like making I mean you're still in college but it's still a jump um to go from amateur college rodeo to pro rodeo I mean, the girls that I compete against in college rodeo, they could go and compete in any pro rodeos too. But when you go to the pro rodeos, you have the top 50 everywhere you go. And when I first started going, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm competing against the top 50 in the world. Again, I was telling myself, I was almost like beating myself before I got there. Like I got to be too flat every single time. And after going and going and going, I finally realized that, uh, when you draw the good calves, you make them count and you make the best run on the calves that aren't so good. And eventually they're going to pay you if you just, if you see your star, you're in the barrier and you take your first shot, eventually they're going to pay you. I mean, you're not going to win everywhere you go with those with the top 50 in the world. And that was kind of a hard pill for me to swallow. I'm one that I want to win every single time. I'm probably almost too competitive at sometimes, but I mean, it's important for me to, to learn that if you can just, it's you and the calf, it's not you versus the top 50 in the world. It's you and the calf and just, you pick your start, you see the start, you take your first shot, they're going to pay you or you're not, and you're just going to have to live with it. Because there's a lot of times, there's been the rodeos I've been, I thought I made a good run, I was 2-4, and they didn't even think about paying me. (laughs) So just taking the good with the bad, I guess, with the pro rodeos. and Yeah. Have you found um, a difference in adjusting to different settings? Like, you know, when you go from the amateur rodeos and even the high school rodeos in Iowa, almost all of them are short starts, smaller pens. You know, there's just not, there's not a whole lot of real true horsemanship and scoring that has to go into it compared to some of these yeah. as you go down South or even out West the pens get bigger, the scores get longer. How'd you adjust to that? Uh, I guess I was pretty fortunate when we were practicing at home. My dad always said, you're not going to live in Iowa forever. You're not going to go to rodeos in Iowa forever. So he would always make us see a different start. We had slow calves to rope, fast calves to rope. And he would, he would tell us like, see this, see this. And he would correct us if we didn't see it. So I guess I was pretty fortunate in that aspect to be kind of prepared for it, mm-hmm. essentially, I guess. But uh, just going and doing it, I watch the girls that I look up to, like the Kelsey Chases, the JJ Hamptons, watch them, see what they do. And that's kind of how I learned, I guess, too. Yeah, monkey see, monkey do. Yep. That's one thing that I learned when I went out to Arizona last year. Um, I'd been roping at home quite a bit, heading Sears and stuff, and and getting along okay, but just not not as well as I wanted to. And when in no time being out there, just being around 
so many people that were so talented and staying in that vicinity day after day after day, like I went to a jackpot for the first time on this horse and he'd never been to a jackpot, never been to one in that kind of setting with over 200 teams entered, anything like that. And all of a sudden I made it to the short go and I was like, huh, like there's really something to this and who you surround yourself with is so important. Even if you, like, even if you can't do it very often because of where you're located, still making an effort to watch those people um, watch the videos, do all that kind of stuff that you can on YouTube, and then getting around those people in the practice pen at least once a month. I mean, more than that, ideally, but I know some of you do live in the middle of nowhere and it's hard, uh, but who you surround yourself with really makes a difference. Going on to the next question, what I, how do you get like your mental game when you back in the box, you just look rock solid. How do you do it? I guess. Knowing that I've put in hours and hours and hours of practice that I've worked for this and I, I guess I have the confidence. I know that my horse is going to work. So if I do my job, it's, it's going to work out. I don't know. I guess I just come from knowing that I've worked this hard at it, that it will pay off. That's I guess good. I don't really know if there's actually an idea to it other than that, but. Yeah. Hold on just a second. I got it. Go ahead, Ryan and Peyton, Peyton, Riley and Peyton. Sorry. That's okay. My question is when, when you're on the road going to different rodeos, how do you take care of your horses? Um, it just kind of depends if I go, if the trip's over like eight hours, I try to get them off somewhere in that time and walk them and give them a drink of water and I try to keep hay in front of them at all times too when I'm going down the road. And then if we can, kind of like the knowing, if you put yourself out there, like I said earlier, you'll know people, a lot of the places you go and you can get a place for your horses to stay overnight for a stall so they don't have to stand tied to the trailer. So I guess a big thing for me is just, I try to take care of my, I do take care of my horses before myself. Uh, if I'm eating, they're eating for sure. And I guess just trying to find stalls for them and watering them and uh, I kind of put back on tracks all the time and keep electrolytes with me in case I don't feel like they are eating or drinking as good as they should too. How many horses do you haul? I mainly just haul one. If I go out, I have a young one that she's not really ready for the pro rodeo life, but I've taken her to um, like one amateur, I think, and a couple of jackpots. So. I mainly haul one, and then uh, I went with Kirby Givens this summer, and we both agreed if we need to, we'll just ride each other's horses. And if I need to, I can go back home and get my sister's horse, since mine's not really ready either. So just one for right now, but hopefully two here in the next couple months. Yeah, that's awesome. Go ahead, Madison, and then Piper. What products do you use before and after a run? Uh, I'm honestly not really a big supplement user. Uh, I get my horse Prevacox when I'm using him hard, but other than that, I just use back on tracks and keep uh, hay in front of him at all times. And then I feed uh, Purina strategy too. But for the supplements, he feels good for the most part. And if I, I've tried putting them on supplements and he feels almost too good with them, I'd say. <laughs> I hear you there. We're not big supplement yeah. people either. Um, I think if you feed your horses a well-balanced diet, 
and you keep them in really good shape, just like us, if we eat a well-balanced diet and we stay in shape, we're not giving ourselves a bunch of supplements. So why give our horses all this extra if we know we're putting in the work to keep them stretched out to like she used as the back on track. She said, that's great stuff. If we can do those kinds of things, um, most of the time it is enough until you have a problem. Don't create a problem. That's always been my motto. The good thing my dad has a drilled into my head is if your horses aren't in shape you're not roping just like us if I went outside and ran two miles right now I'm gonna be sore tomorrow so uh we can't I'm not gonna rope on my horse if he hasn't been rode if he's not in shape I don't want him to be sore and when I'm done roping uh, we walk them out till they're not hot not breathing hard or anything just to keep help prevent the muscle soreness how often do you ride like when you're not practicing with your college coaches do you just take them out on trails and ride them and just keep them exercised during the week? Yep. If we're not roping, uh, if, we're, if I'm gone somewhere far away and I get back, I usually will not ride them or anything the day after. But if I'm not roping other than that, I take them out and ride them in the pasture and long trot them and just keep them stretched out. Unless I'm coming back from a long trip, they get rode or roped on pretty much every day to keep them in shape. Uh how many times a month do you think that uh, you practice? Uh, when I'm here at school, we rope three times a week at the school. And if I'm home, I also can go out to generally Adam's house. I'm pretty fortunate to have her to go rope with too. So if I'm home or if I'm at school, we rope three times a week. And if I'm back at my parents' house, if I'm home, it's not muddy. We're roping every single day. And that's not me and I run a hundred on my good horse or whatever. I usually only run four and that could be scored three and run two. It just kind of depends. Sometimes he, uh, he likes to see what he can get away with sometimes, I think, or he likes running more. I don't really know. And I can run, I can honestly run as many as I wanted to on him, but I rope, I'm either roping or roping the dummy every single day. So my question is, what is your favorite breakaway rope? I personally, I use Dub Grants. They're the four strand poly. I like the gold treatment. Uh, I use a 10-2 or a 10-5. I personally, uh, I like the 10-2s and 10-5s. I feel like they stay open better for me. For some reason, if I swing a 9-5, they're going to close. So I like the heavier ropes. What do you suggest for kids who are starting? Uh, when I started, my dad started us with a Viper, actually, and then I don't know what I, I don't like the Spitfires and stuff like that. I don't, not going to tell someone not to use them. They're not just personally what I like, but I really just think it's a personal opinion. I don't think it really matters. You see mm -hmm. anyone from, I think Josie Connor uses Polly's, but Jackie Crawford uses the Spitfires. I don't think it really matters as long as what's what your personal preference is. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you guys are getting started roping, for those of you who aren't yet or are curious about it, like be willing to try multiple ropes and you are probably going to ruin about three ropes before you figure out how to swing without getting an aid in it and how to coil it up correctly and all of those things. So going into roping, be prepared to buy more than one. I see too many people who like 
I bought one rope for my kid and this is their rope to use for the next year until Christmas comes around. And um, that's not really realistic when we're learning to be able to figure out how to rope correctly and not have a mess in the process from time to time. <laughs> Where is your favorite place to compete at? To compete at? Uh, I really liked going out to Cheyenne this year and that setup was cool. The hand-pulled barrier and running them down and Ned not being a slinging contest, I'd probably say Cheyenne was my favorite I've been to so far. I look forward to going out there someday. It just like not only the nostalgia <laughs> around it, but just the horsemanship that goes into it and like having, I mean, some yeah. of it's horsemanship, some of it's luck, some of, I mean, there's just such a combination of so many things that come together out there and it's like a dream come true for so many people. Yeah. How do you prepare for a rodeo like that? I mean, that, that rodeo is way different than any, I mean, you can practice scoring a lot, but there, that's a whole different yeah. deal there. Honestly, I didn't really get to prepare that much. I was in Colorado Springs like the week before, and uh, that was pretty much a very fast setup. And I don't really know. I guess I I have confidence in my horse that he's going to score every single time if I don't move my left hand. So I guess that was my main thing is knowing if I do not move my left hand, he's not going to move. Yeah. And the rest is pretty much the same other than seeing him out there so far. So your left hand is a very important thing in breakaway. Yeah, that's a perfect lead into uh, Brady and Kennedy. Go ahead and ask your question. Do you have any tips for scoring calves? Mainly just keep your left hand still and down. Uh, there's a lot of girls that were at school practicing and they like to hold their left hand up towards their head and that you can move your hand a lot if your hand's up and I tell them to put your hand down more towards your saddle horn. That way you can like brace it up against your swell or your saddle horn or wherever you want to hold it. That way you can feel something to not move your left hand. I guess is the main thing. I think a lot of times when the girls get mad that they broke the barrier or something, they told their horse to move, whether it was the slightest. Their the horse's mouths are very sensitive. It could be the slightest, your pinky moves or something. I know my horse is going to move if I do that. So I guess I just try to keep my hand down low and brush, at least pressed up against something so you know you didn't move it. Great advice. As we go from that, talk a little bit about horsemanship. And you trained this horse that you're riding now from scratch. Is that correct? Yep, we got him when he was two. All right. So what's that process been like? Uh, when we first started roping on him, I did not like him. He was slow leaving. He didn't really like to stop. And I was like, I do not want him dead. He's like, no, just wait him out. He'll be fine. And I guess that shows my dad is way more of a horseman than I was at the time. Hopefully I've learned <laughs> since then. But uh, I guess you just have to be patient. My dad has taught me that you have to show horses what you want, not make them. And uh, we just slowly doing to get him to move off of his hind end when he's stopping to spin or uh, turns against the fence. So he has to use his hind end. and. Uh, we call them rollbacks, which is like you stop, back them up, and then you turn. So they are, again, used to off their hind end. And I guess the main thing with horsemanship is showing them what you want, not teaching or forcing 
them to do anything. They got to want to do it and learn how to do it. And now my horse probably knows more about it than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how that happens, isn't it? Yeah. I think patience is such an important part of it and uh, letting them show you that they're ready to move on. Like that's one thing that I had to learn the hard way. And um, it's funny in, in my situation, at least how the tables have turned where my mom used to coach me and everything that I did pretty much, you know, in the barrel racing and stuff. She was a very competitive and did very well. And then she went through a series of deals where she got hurt and I went to college and uh, started learning these other things. And then I started riding horses every day. And, and then the tides kind of changed and we shifted roles a little bit. And one thing that I find myself always trying to remind her is like, Hey, don't forget to like, let your horse show you that he's ready to go on and then they'll do it on their own versus trying to drill it Mm -hmm. into them time and time and time again and force them into it where even if they do it right, they don't know that they've done it right because they're so frazzled with everything that we're trying to make them do. Just build a solid foundation and then let them show you that they're ready to move on. Yeah, I guess maybe patience, like you said, and going slow and then one day it may seem like forever but that's another thing and I forget how much patience it takes when you have a young one now that I have my five-year-old and he's testing my patience and my dad keeps saying you really haven't roped on her that much you just got to keep going and slow her back down and that's a big thing too I think is slowing them back down when they do get it and just reminding them that their brain needs to slow down and this is what we're doing and yeah, patience is a big thing with horsemanship, I would say. Yeah. When it goes to practicing on your horses, um, you said that you often don't run more than, you know, four to six calves. How do you choose which calves to rope and which calves to score? Uh, if I know I'm going somewhere, it just kind of depends. Uh, for instance, we have a college rodeo. The start is nod and ride 90% of the time the barrier is so short and then I like to if I'm going there I'll run the calves that run a little harder and just see something just a move and then I'll go get them I just kind of if I know where I'm going to prepare for that's kind of how I do and if I don't I'll just kind of run a mixture of slow see something go get them fast just kind of nod and ride and then go back and score. And I don't know. I just like to kind of keep my horse on his toes almost to know that he's going to score, whether it's a nod and ride or see head around the end of the pin. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do the same thing over and over again because then it just kind of gets a reputation. Yeah, that's good. And I honestly, I don't like to score that much. <laughs> I try not to score that much, I guess. Sometimes I do, but. My theory is you're not going to score at a rodeo, so, but that's yeah. why I kind of do the variety too, is if you have to see head around knowing that you still got him, I'm probably not going to go back and score unless I feel like he ran through my hand. Mm-hmm. But in reality, if he ran through my hand, I probably moved my left hand. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Riley and Peyton, go yeah. ahead and ask your question. So what is your favorite roping dummy to use for breakaway? Uh, I personally like the necks and the tuck cap too. Those are mainly the two that I rope. And then we have a Smarty out at the school farm that I rope a lot too. But at home, I like the necks and the uh, tuck cap. Smarty is what I rope off of like horses too. If we're pulling a sled, that's what I use off of horses. But 
Yeah. How often do you rope the sled versus life caps? Uh, I never rope the sled on my good horse. And if I feel like my, that's kind of how we start all of our young horses is on the sled just to get them tracking and then stopping off of you. And if like my one, the young horse I have now, she's kind of a little fireball. If I feel like she needs to slow back down, I'll take her back down to the sled and get her where she's listening off of my body to stop and track and whatever else. Mm -hmm. How important is it for your horse to listen to your body? It's huge. I, uh, everything I do, I try not to use my hands other than scoring. Uh, when I back my horse in the corner, I want them to move off of my legs. And uh, if I need my horse to step right, I would much rather uh, hit them with my left foot than pull on the rein. And when I stop, when they stop, I want them to be stopping when I sit down, not so much off of my rein hand. Mm -hmm. I find that, at least from my experience, unless you have a nice set of really slow calves that are pretty consistent that you can arena rope or something along those lines, being able to do that on the dummy is so like, or on the sled, it's so controlled that you can, mm -hmm. you can have the same speed the whole time. So all you have to focus on is that horse listening to your body, but at least I, and you can elaborate on this too. It, so much of that goes back to what you do when you're warming your horse up and how you're preparing your horse, when you're starting them from scratch, making sure that those horses, when, when you're warming them up and you're loping circles or whatever, if you melt into that saddle, that horse should be stopping. If he's not stopping when you warm him up, then he's probably mm -hmm. not going to stop when you rope a calf. What are some yep. things that you do, like when you're starting horses, Allie, to prepare them for that? Uh, like you said, when I'm riding them around and warming them up, I want them to stop when I melt into the saddle or sit down. I uh, don't try to pull on the reins, I guess, when I stop them. If I mean, if I sit down and they're still running, I'm going to get a hold of them and do it again. But And then when I'm riding around, I... Uh, like to just use my legs. I'll make them lope or small circles and then big circles, let them fade out with, if I'm going to the left lead, I'll make them fade out with my left leg to make them lope big circles and I'll bring them back in with my right leg. That way they just know they're listening to me off of my legs and my uh, body to sit down too. And if you're just going slow and you know they have their attention, I feel like that is too. And they're going to be looking for you to sit down or to move over in their leads or something like that too. And then when you get to rope on them, it's almost like you barely have to touch them because they're so used to you riding so consistently like that. I don't mm -hmm. like to, uh, one day I'm gonna turn you with my hands and then I'm gonna ride you with my legs. I think it's important to be super consistent with your riding. Uh, if I'm using my legs, I'm gonna use my legs the entire time. That way they get used to it. Mm -hmm. And we, Personally, I guess my brother starts a lot of colts. We raise some colts and stuff. And from the very beginning, if he's turning them, he's obviously going to help them with, if they have very few rides on them, he's going to help them with his hands, but he's also got his leg in them, hoping that that registers later on down the road. That mm -hmm. He wants them to move off of his leg and eventually it does. How you start a horse is so it can be such a deal breaker. I mean, it's we started, uh, we got three quilts that we went down to. Um, oh, Clay, who used to start all Luke Jones's horses, and the groundwork that he does, and the placement of where he uses the lunge line and where his body's at, and everything. When you get on those horses when they're two year olds for the first time, they already understand leg pressure. So if you guys have young horses or horses that you're trying to get mm -hmm. started in the roping, if you can get them to somebody 
who knows, or, or if you can go take lessons with somebody who's really good at that kind of stuff before you start roping, just to prepare yourself and your horse for that, you're going to be way further ahead than if you start roping and your horse starts figuring all that stuff out. And then we're trying to go backwards. So I want to backtrack, I guess not backtrack, but just switch gears a little bit off of the horses and um, go back to like the mental side of things. So one young gentleman, I don't know if he's still on here right now or not, but I think he is, Jace Outlaw, um, his mom sent me a message and just said that sometimes, you know, the subject comes up about freezing. Um, We just, have you ever had that problem, like where you freeze or you get really nervous or things just like kind of blank out? Uh, I'm not going to say I don't get nervous. I don't know if I've ever been to the point of freezing, but I definitely get nervous and I kind of use the nerves as a way of knowing that I'm ready. Uh, it's kind of weird. I Sometimes I think I get too relaxed and I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm here, whatever. But I feel like if I get nervous, I know that I'm ready and I use that as like kind of like motivation. Like I know that I've prepared to, for this. I've practiced, I've roped the dummy. My horses are in shape. And just knowing, I guess, knowing that I did what it takes and I'm prepared for this is mainly what I use, I guess. Yeah, that's great. What are some other things like, or, or ways that you've gotten to where you are? Advice that you've gotten or things people have told you or things that you've practiced to be able to get that kind of confidence in your practice, even. Uh, I guess going back to making all sorts of runs, uh, the scoring wise, there'll be times I'll make quite a few rodeo runs, just knowing whether that's one swing or see head around and go get them. I just, I like to make all different types of runs. So when I go somewhere, I know that I have made this run the practice pen and I can do it. Uh, And I mean, this is probably repetitive, but just knowing that you put in the work is the main, the main thing that I do. Uh, when I back in the box, I don't think about anything other than what I'm going to see pretty much and take my own start because I'm not nervous about, oh, I haven't practiced enough or my horse isn't in shape enough. Just knowing that I've prepared for it, I guess, is what keeps me having confidence. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes into, I was once told by a friend who went to a roping in Bethany, Missouri. He's an older guy. He didn't start team roping until he was like 50 years old. And he's like in his eighties now and still goes all time. Heels good, ties on, but like, he's very consistent. Um, But he told a friend of mine one day, he said, you know, he just won the rope and he said, you deserve to win today. So I know that you've been putting in the work and that you've been putting in a lot of time and, and you deserve it. And That's one thing when he told me that story, it really stuck with me because I had to ask myself and still in different situations, uh, I have to ask myself, do I deserve to win right now? Have I been putting in the time, you know, and and I think there are times that you got to trust your muscle memory and life's going to happen and you're entered anyway. And so then you got to go back, but you also have to put in the time. And when you go, it sounds to me like when you go somewhere, you know, you deserve to win because you know, you've put the time in and you know, you've put the practice in. And while it is repetitive, it needs to be because that's what it takes to be where you're at and to be at your level is to put in that time. And if you don't, you don't deserve to win. You don't deserve to be at the top if you haven't done what it takes to be top. Um, I feel like in rodeo, it's the one sport that we don't have coaches. We don't have structure. We have to create that for ourselves. 
and it's really easy to fall off the wagon because of that. Um, but those who are at the top and as the game changes, it takes that structure and it just really sounds like you have created that in your life and you stick to it. And uh, it's awesome. It's great. It shows it proof is there's proof in the pudding. Like you are making it happen. <laughs> so going forward, like what are your goals now as you move forward and break away? You're still in college, but you got a lot of cool things happening. I guess starting for 2023, uh, I should get into at least a couple of the winter rodeos. So have a good winter enough that it kind of gives me that boost going into next year. And then uh, pro rodeos will kind of take a pause and I'll go back into college rodeos. And we have six in the spring and I'd like to uh, make the short round in every one of them and move up into the top three in the region to and win the region again. I don't know if there's very many people that win the region twice. So that's a goal of mine. And go back out to the college finals. And I would like for the college finals to be a redemption year. Uh, last summer I was second high call and I figured a back leg and it's bell collar. Ah. So I would like to uh, win, <laughs> win the college finals this year. And then uh, going into the summer, uh, hopefully I have a good enough winner that it gives me a boost and I'll go to the like out to the Northwest and stuff, hopefully, but still come back enough for to make the circuit rodeos to get to the circuit finals next year. And uh, I guess we'll see where we end up next, uh, next fall for the NFR and hopefully breakaway is very soon has equal added money. Yeah. Hopefully it's at the Thomas and Mac here soon. That'd be phenomenal. That'd be exciting. What, um, yeah. Are you planning on, say, you're you're getting a degree, are you going to do the breakaway thing as long as you can, or do you have a set, like, I want to break away, and then I want to do this? Um, I probably would like to break away as long as I can. Um, yeah. I think I'm probably going to have to have a job to back it up. So uh, ideally, I would like to find a job that I can do kind of away from home. If I'm in town, I can go into the office or whatever, but something that I can do from home that way, if I'm on the road, I can do it, but I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. All I know is I want it to be flexible, but I also really enjoy training horses too. So if that would be an option, I would like that too, but I really don't know at this time. And I'm kind of just winging it right now to see where it ends up. Yeah. Well, even if you do have a set in stone plan, it's still going to be all screwed up. Like God's plan is way bigger than ours and nothing that we can, we know them that we can plan will ever, will ever work out like we think it's going to anyway. So <laughs> that's what I keep telling myself is he'll just finally throw something at me that he wants me to do if that's a job or if it's a rodeo or whatever it is. Well, he will. Cause I never thought in my entire life that I would sell pony tack or be doing stuff like this. I thought that I would have the nine to five job and rodeo on the weekends. And I have yet in my entire life to have a nine to five job. So life will, will take you where it needs to go. As long as you're open to it and willing to, to keep moving forward, he'll, he'll, he'll lay out his plan in front of you, um, in ways that you never expected. So, um, how do you, how do you keep yourself in shape? Uh, I don't know. I I probably don't. I like to snack. I don't. There is nothing that I really do. Uh, I do like to. I think having a good core is uh, very important in breakaway. So uh, I don't work out really, but 
just continuous reps of roping. I don't know how many times I rope off of a horse a week, but just doing that will keep your abs where they're supposed to be too. But I need to probably work out. I need a little better, but I don't actually do any workout programs or anything like that. But I do think how many times I rope off a horse a week and roping the dummy and keeping that muscle memory is very important too. You bet. How do you um, keep it all together on the road? Just been lucky um, and it works. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> kind of eat like crap on the road. I think everyone probably does. Try to get a good meal when you can, but for the most part, the road is just McDonald's and lots of gross fast food, but it's kind of what you have to do, I guess. Yeah. Well, I did that when I was in college, but as I get older, I realize that that does not work the whole, as you yeah. get older, it's true. It's a true thing. So just be prepared. If you can create better habits now, go for it because it's harder. Yeah. Older yet. <laughs> I for definitely sure. need to. Yes. Well, if you need any assistance, we've got Wolf and Sons performance. He does um, event specific workouts and they're super fun and it's very personal. He's out of Tarleton. He's a research professor or research scientist and a professor. And like he switches it up all the time. You can do it in the gym. You can do it on the road. Uh, it's, I really enjoy them. And I've seen a big difference in my roping, just in my stability, my snappiness, my strength, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then we also have a dietitian, Bailey Cooper. Mm -hmm. She's pretty awesome too. She's also out of Texas, uh, but she's down by Lubbock. And so if you're ever interested in that kind of stuff, we can hook you up. Okay. Yeah. I guess the last school, we have team workouts twice a week, so that helps. Oh yeah. You're doing something then. All right. Well, we are just down to the end. Um, what other advice do you have for these kids? What's a piece of advice you've gotten or a piece of advice that you'd like to give to them? I guess like I've said this whole time, um, work hard. Uh, nothing's really probably going to be handed to you in today's world. There's, I just tell myself there's always going to be someone that's working probably harder than you. And I personally want to be that person that's working harder than everyone else. Uh, to be the best, you gotta work like the best. I tell myself, <clears throat> tell myself, and surround yourself with good people. Who you surround yourself with matters. Uh, people who want you to succeed, it definitely makes a difference. If you're traveling with people who don't want you to succeed, I promise they're gonna drag you down. So, surrounding yourself with a good circle and just working hard would be the main thing. Yeah. And even if you're surrounding yourself with people who don't, who want the best for you, but don't believe in themselves, that's going to wear off on you too. Like you got to be for the goals. If you've got big goals, you got to be around people who have big goals and who believe in themselves and, and they're going to have moments, but you got to be able to pick each other up. If they're constantly in the wrong state of mind, it, it will not work in the long run. And you got to have, you have to have goals, uh, the determination that's bigger than your fears and being uncomfortable because there will come times that you have to have uncomfortable conversations with those people who are your friends who maybe they were there with you at the beginning but now you're here and they're falling backwards because they're in a rough time and if you've you can still be friends but you got to be honest with yourself and with them to continue moving forward go ahead piper um after you have like when you ever have a bad weekend and you're like when you're open dummy or even just calves during the week, like how do you 
do you, like, how do you just, like, forget about your bad weekend, or do you, like, does it come back, and you just think of, like, what you want to work on, or something? In radio, you have to have a short memory, because most of the time, once you start going, the next day, you're going to be somewhere else, so when I was growing up, my parents always told me, you have five minutes, and then you have to forget about it, and uh, the five minutes comes fast, and sometimes you don't want to give it up, but you have to, and at that, that obviously wasn't your turn to win that day. That's what I have to tell myself. Uh, you, once again, if you know you've put in the work, your day is eventually going to come. And I've been through some slumps and it sucks. And it's hard not to feel sorry for yourself and make excuses. But in the long run, if you keep doing that, it's only going to keep dragging it out. So uh, if you're going through a tough time, I guess. I would say look to the Lord for one, for advice on what to do. It helps what to do and keep working, keep in the dummy and try to get your confidence back because making excuses and feeling sorry for yourself, I know from personal experience is not going to make it any better and it's going to keep dragging it out. Yes, it's a hard lesson to learn, but definitely one that we all go through at some point in time. Um, if you can avoid it by, you can't avoid it, but if you can learn from stuff like this and get through it faster. And like Alice said, definitely lean on the Lord to get you through that. If you put that goal in your heart, he's got a reason for it. And if you can just look at every run you make when it's not working and see what went right and then fix what went wrong and focus on the winner, learn, I never lose mentality. Um, it'll come through eventually. You know, it just will. It's got to. To answer your other question, I go back. Like, how do you learn from that? I go back and watch my video a couple of times to figure out what I did wrong. I figure out what I did wrong and I delete the video and move on. And I know that's something I need to work on or just something that I did wrong that time. It's not a normal habit too, so. Do you save the good videos? Yep. I watch my good videos all the time. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the car or just bored, I'm usually watching videos or videos of other girls that make good runs or something. Yeah. I love the part where you said, delete the ones that don't go right. That's, I think that's really important. I see sometimes where kids or kid, whoever comes in and they'll be like, oh my gosh, look at this. I did this wrong. And they'll be like, and they'll show me a video from, you know, three weeks ago or four weeks ago or whatever it is. And like when you, what you focus on is what you get. And so if you are, manifesting and constantly looking at that run and what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? You're focusing on the wrong and not on the right. So try to see those little things and make improvements, but also remember to focus on what you did right more so than what you did wrong, because in almost every single run, 90% of it's right. And 10% of it's wrong. Um, you know, as you're learning, those ratios are going to be different, but like Ali said at the beginning, even with the start, Usually if you break the barrier, it's as simple as your left hand and just going back to focus on that. And if you can fix that one thing, then it can put it all together. So keep it simple. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Allie. We are running out of time and uh, this has been phenomenal. Everything that you said is um, clearly it works. Uh, you've put it to the test and we just really thank you for joining us tonight and sharing your advice and your experiences and your knowledge and we wish you the best of luck yep thank you guys
Guys, can you believe it? We have made it to the 100th episode on the RodeoKids.com podcast, and we are ecstatic. We have had over 12,400 downloads of our podcast, and it's just a wonderful feeling to know that there's that many people who are interested in supporting. So thank you for that, and we just hope and pray that you continue to gain value and share this podcast with others. Um, you know, this is just such a good opportunity to learn from some of the best in the industry and to keep it simple and to provide an opportunity for your kids to learn from the best without having to go to a lot of places. Um, and it's just such a healthy way to, to gain information and support as you chase those gold buckle dreams. So we just want to encourage you to keep on listening. We've got some exciting things in store for 2023 as Rodeo Kids is now a nonprofit organization. So that opens some doors for us in the realm of scholarships and sponsorships and gaining more partners. So we are looking forward to that, and we just hope that you continue to stay on board and join us. Stay tuned for clinics, camps, and more Zooms and podcasts coming up around the corner. Give us a follow on social media. We've got our Rodeo Kids Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram pages. Until the next time, good luck, safe travels, God bless, and let us know if we can help you in any way at rodeokids.com.